Amen. I want to mention just in your hearing uh, something and then I'm going to get right into the word. Uh, October 18th through the 20th, we're going to be having Woman Art Loose at the Potter's House. And I want to encourage you to come and set those time, that time aside and go to our website and get more information. I'm just four hours away from you in a car, 45 minutes in a plane, eight hours in a canoe. <laughs> so come on down and be a part of it. You can go to www.wtal.org and get more information. Uh, I feel like I'm on assignment tonight. Amen. I was in Chicago this morning and uh, shared there, and now I'm here in Tulsa, and I feel like I've heard from the Lord, and I'm anxious to share. Thank you again. Where did Pastor go? Where is he? Where? There you are. You're right up front. That makes me nervous. You better amen a whole lot if you're going to sit up there, okay? Get your Bibles and go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. Yes, indeed. And when you have it, it's just my custom. I want you to stand for the reading of God's word. Yeah. I'm going to be ringing out, reading out of the King James Version, not because I think it's any more holy than any other version, but I'm reading out of it because me and the King James Version are about the same age. <laughs> when you have it, say amen. amen. If you need a minute, say, wait a minute. Amen. Well, Lord, that's half the church. I can tell you if you're seeing Ephesians, you're moving in the wrong direction. <laughs> Amen. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. Okay. Okay. Y'all are cheating because you're pulling it up on your phone, aren't you? Back in my day, you had to find it the old-fashioned way. And Lord, it was stressful. If you were a preacher and couldn't find a book of the Bible, everybody thought you had backslidden. Amen. And I, I will admit there were a few times I cheated and, and decided to find Matthew for Malachi and just act like I was reading along. But that was, that was when I was young. It's under the blood now. I'm good. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons. There cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant my husband is dead and thou knowest thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord and the creditors has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen now you know that's a big debt it's one thing to take my car that's bad I've had that happen it's one thing to take my house that's worse because I'll be outside but you're real in debt when they take your kids. They are coming to take my two sons to be bondmen. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. You know this story. Then he said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Somebody say, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shall pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. 
So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay the debt and live thou and thy children off the rest. And I just threw this in for good measure. And it fell on a day that Elijah passed to Shunem where was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. I want to use the subject, remain standing, I'm going to pray with you. I want to use the subject, download and update. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting ready to download. You, you sound like you're constipated. Try it again. Say, I'm getting ready to download and update. Now, I'm not sure that neighbor was saved. Find another neighbor that looks like they might have a little bit more oil in the lab and say, did you hear what I said? I'm getting ready to download and update. Now praise him if you expect change in your life. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us as we gather up under the tabernacle of your glory. There is nothing that will make this night wonderful except you, Jesus. You are the one we seek. You are the one we came to see. I would ask you, oh God, to pour out your spirit all over this auditorium and let the overflow flow over into all the overflows so that none are left from the cloud of your glory. To those that are streaming online from all over the world, I pray, God, that you would go through cyberspace and touch people in the house and on the job and in the car and in the living room and turn their phones and iPads and all of their devices into oil and glory and let the anointing of the Holy Spirit move in a supernatural way. My God, I pray I have the audacity to believe that somebody will be healed tonight. I have the audacity to believe that somebody will be set free tonight. I have the audacity to believe that somebody will go into supernatural debt cancellation tonight. I have the audacity to believe that somebody's life is about to change. And we're going to praise you. We don't even have to wait to see you do it. We're going to praise you on credit. You may be seated in Jesus' name and amen. Shout amen, somebody. It is amazing to me, I threw in the eighth verse, it really doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about other than the fact that I am fascinated that Elijah's ministry has the wherewithal to reach from a woman who is grossly and extremely in debt and depression and despair and to perform a miracle for the downtrodden. And we are kind of good at understanding how God can do miracles amongst the downtrodden. Most of our churches and ministries have outreach into neighborhoods and communities that are oppressed and are downtrodden. It is because of our compassionate heart that is placed into us by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are not satisfied to be blessed 
and not see other people around us blessed. We have a commitment and a calling and a mandate by Jesus Christ to care for those who have fallen upon hard times, cognizant of the fact that there but for the grace of God go I. And so when we read the early part of this text, we understand fully why Elijah would come by this woman's house. She's a good woman. She's a godly woman. Don't judge her too harshly by her circumstances. Her circumstances are not a reflection of her walk with God or her faith in God. Unfortunately, we live in a time today that when people see you down, we have a tendency to judge your faith by your situation. But the reality is this woman had great faith and she still had a bad circumstance. The reason I included the eighth verse is as soon as he finishes with this woman who is wrestling with poverty and other issues we are going to discuss tonight, he goes to the Shunammite woman's house who is wealthy and affluent. She is the polar opposite of the woman I'm going to preach about tonight. But she still needed a move of God. Because every now and then, God needs to do something that your money cannot pay for. How many people in this room have ever needed God to do something that you couldn't pay for? I think this text is amazing because Elijah stands in between these two polarities, these two extremes, and he is just as relevant in the house of the wealthy woman who extends to him a courtesy and builds a room on the house and provides a table for him and provides a bed for him. And yet in spite of her riches and her success, and when you read about her, the Bible says she was a great woman, but she had no children. There is always some place in your life, whether you are the poor woman or the wealthy woman, whether you are the CEO or the janitor, whether you are young or like me, <laughs> There's always a place in your life for Jesus to perform a miracle in your life. And before I get too deep down into this, I just want to know, I want to make sure I'm in the right place. If there's anybody in this place that needs God to do something amazing in your life tonight, make some kind of noise. a lot to be learned in this text tonight. There's a lot to be learned. We must understand, first of all, who Elisha is. Elisha is a young man who has lived beneath his privilege, who had a plan that was executed by his parents for his life, but God had another agenda. When we meet Elisha, we meet him in the, in, in the early stages of Elijah's rebound from a state of depression. Elisha is plowing in the field with the 12th yoke of oxen. You would expect him to plow in the field. It was his parents' property. He was the heir apparent. They were training him for a life that he never got to live. God upset their plans. If you want to make God laugh, just tell him what you had planned. He will come in like a flood and turn your whole strategy completely around and nothing turns out exactly like you planned it to be. And then he has the audacity to say, praise me now. <laughs> Anybody can praise God when life is turning out the way you expected it to turn out. 
but it takes great faith to praise God in the middle of uncertainty. When you're outside of your comfort zone, when things aren't coming together the way you strategize for them to be, it takes great faith to walk out of the promise of God in the midst of the criticism of people around you. But Elijah accepted the challenge. He burned his plow and his ox and ran after the man of God. He ran after Elijah because he had a sense that there was something in Elijah's ministry that he needed to be complete. I want to point this out to you because Elisha, before the story is over, receives a download from Elijah. Now, the King James Version doesn't call it a download, but it was a download nonetheless. It doesn't use that terminology because uh, Steve Jobs hadn't built Apple yet and Microsoft hadn't come along. It talks about, let me catch your mantle. But catching a mantle from another man or woman of God is like a download of something that is bigger and stronger than you. Sometimes God will give you an anointing that's older than you. Oh, you missed a good place to shout right there. He'll give you a glory that goes beyond your experience. He'll pour you out something that he has used before and then released unto you and you will walk in a glory that exceeds your years. I don't know who I'm talking to. But we are coming into an era that you're going to see young men and young women with old men's anointing on their lives. Young folk, holla at you, boy. Tell your neighbor there's something on me. There was something on me when I was in high school. They called me the Bible boy. I, I would stick my Bible inside of my science book. That's why my grades looked the way they did. I was so overcome with excitement about the scriptures. They made sense to me. And my senior year in high school, all I wanted to study was the Word of God. And they said I walked around and they said, look at Minister Jakes, because I was a minister then they said, look at minister, no, Brother Jakes first. Look at Brother Jakes. He's walking around like he's a bishop. <laughs> and they were trying to pour a little haterade on my life, but they didn't know they were prophesying what God was about to do in my life. Some of your haters that think you're something, don't get mad at them. They're prophesying what God is about to do in your life. Just go ahead and receive it and walk into it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. All you have to do is receive it. Somebody ought to catch that anointing right now. Somebody ought to walk into another realm of glory that just hits you in the face and you don't know where it came from, but God is going to download it into your life tonight. I said all of that because I want you to understand clearly that Elisha is the recipient of a download. When you have received, you can give. You cannot give what you have not received. In fact, you don't even have a spirit of giving until you learn how to receive. He has received from Elijah, and now God has ordered his steps to come into a situation, and an opportunity is often born in the middle of adversity. That's why you can't pray every problem away. Because the problem is going to be a stage for the promise of God to materialize in your life. 
amen wall. I know you don't want the problem. I know you don't like working on that job with those hateful people. I know you don't like going through that situation in your life. But in order for the promise to manifest and have contrast, there has to be a problem for the promise to manifest on. I'm trying to teach you already that God, those of you that are going through the most horrific times of your life, God is setting you up for the greatest testimony you have ever had in your life. Don't you wait till he fulfills the promise. Right smack dab in the middle of the problem, start praising God, cause the problem is a sign that the promise is on the way. I'm gonna give you two Holy Ghost minutes to get your praise in right now. Yeah, yeah, you're doing pretty good. You got about a minute left. Is that all you got? You got about 35 seconds left. You got about 50. They're out shouting you in overflow. Glory to God. Today I came to give you five steps to downloading. Now I'm a baby boomer, which means I was born at a time when we had albums. And progress was eight tracks. And some of y'all, just because you dyed your hair, you're trying to act like you don't remember eight tracks, but I can see your roots. You remember when we had those eight tracks hanging out the bottom of our sport cars? Turned up so loud you still can't hear right now. Some of you got a hearing aid because of what you did back when we were young back then. I came along at that time and in that era and I came along at that moment in history because I was called for such a time. I was called for such a time. If I'd have been meant to be here sooner, I'd have come sooner. If I'd have been meant to come here later, I'd have come later. The stage had to be set for me to appear. When everything was ready for me to come, God brought me into the world. Stop despising where you are. The Bible said that David served his generation well. Enjoy the stage of life you're in. Let me prove it to you. I was born in between two dead babies. The baby my mother had in front of me died. And the baby my mother had after me died. But I survived. When God wants you to be here, no devil in hell can cut you off from being here. I want all the miracle babies to make some noise. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm a miracle baby. <laughs> if the enemy would have had his way, I wouldn't have been here. But I got bad news for you, devil. I'm here now, and you can't do anything about it. I'm here. Shout hallelujah. And I'm trying feverishly to keep up with the times. I really am. I'm really trying hard. Uh, to keep up with everything. I stopped wearing my wide big leg pants. I narrowed down a bit. They ain't skinny, but they got skinny tendencies. It's hard to put all of this and that and the other into them skinny jeans. I put them on a couple of times, but I couldn't breathe and I had to take them off. I'm trying real hard to keep up with technology. I, I move when they had cassettes, I moved with into the cassettes and I got rid of my eight tracks and finally 
let go of my stack of albums. I had a stack of albums about tall as me. And I got the cassettes. And by the time we got good at the cassettes, they came out with CDs and DVDs. And I'm trying hard to keep up and keep the buttons because it's really weird. The people who know how to keep up can't afford to buy the stuff. And the people who can afford to buy the stuff can't operate it. So you buy something because it's new and then you ask your kids, how do you do that? I had my phone, you know, and, and the phone was acting all crazy. I get those real expensive phones with everything on them. I don't know why I get them because all I do is call and text. But I want all the features on the phone just in case something wonderful happens and I decide to use it. I never use any of it. And then after a while, I got so much stuff on my phone it doesn't, it doesn't operate right. And, and, and I'm frustrated because I got so many phone numbers in my phone, I hate to change phones. But then when my phone doesn't operate right, I'm so busy, I finally will break down and go down to the store to get me another phone. I went down to the store where they were selling the phones. I was really concerned about transferring all of my data and information over to the new phone, but they told me that would be no problem. They asked me where the phone, where the numbers in the cloud. I thought they'd, be, they'd gone to heaven. And I said, you know, I don't know whether they were saved or not. <laughs> and uh, they took my phone and said, by then they figured that I was totally technologically illiterate and had a serious learning disability. And they took my phone and they said, well, let me help you out, Pops. I hate it when they call you Pops, you know. It makes me feel like you ought to be dipping snuff sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair. And when the guy looked at it, he said, I'm not sure you need a new phone at all. He said, I think you might have a bug in this phone. And it looks like they're sending you a download that you're not receiving. I said, they are? I didn't see none in my text. I didn't see none in my email. So I said, how are they sending? And they showed me this little wiggly thing on there and they said, that's a download right there. It was amazing to me that they could send it, but if I didn't receive it, I would live and continue to function as if there were no solution never realizing that the manufacturer had prepared a solution, but the solution doesn't work if you don't receive the download. And when I finally figured out how to receive the download, I got kind of happy, and, and I'm, I'm an old Pentecostal boy. We're, we're not like you modern folks. I'm old, when we, when we get happy, we... <laughs> and the guy asked me, did I want some water? Because he thought I had the hiccups. I said, no, I don't have the hiccups. I'm kind of happy because I started thinking about how the Bible said, you shall receive the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it made me realize that God could be sending us things that we're not downloading, that we're living without, that we're suffering for the lack of that we're telling ourselves stories like we're waiting on the Lord, never realizing that God has already finished his work and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And in fact, you are not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. 
and I'm praying for you tonight that before this service is over that you would punch the right button and download every promise that has been waiting on you to step into it and every miracle and every healing and every touch from God and that you would drive out every viral infection that is stopping you from having the joy of the Lord so you don't have to come to church and fake like you're happy. I am praying that your joy would be so full that you lay in the bed praising God in other languages and that the glory of the Lord would be in your car and you wouldn't need nobody to sing you to work. You'd start singing whether you got any voice or not because God wants you to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. When was the last time you got so happy that you started making up songs? This, this woman has a viral infection that has crept into her life. And, and the Bible hints about how it got in. She wasn't always like this. She was the wife of a prophet. Her husband was one of Elijah's mentees. There was a time that her needs were met and the glory of the Lord was present and evident in her life. Now, now you have to realize if you never had the glory, you don't miss it. It's like if you've if you always been broke, I'm not saying you don't want to come up, but it don't bother you like somebody who used to have a little something and they go down. You're uncomfortable. You're discontented. You're, you're, you're frustrated because, because poverty has a culture and success has a culture. And when I was broke, I knew how to be broke. Now I would have to take some classes. It used to be I knew where to get retread tires and I, I used to know which wino down on the corner could fix your fender for, for $25. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about because you're city people and say, oh, you're like, I used to know how to survive on, on coupons and cut out coupons and go to the grocery store with my calculator. And I don't know how to do that real good right now because now I just come in and grab stuff and throw it in the bag. So if I lost everything, I'd have to go through training because every stage of life has its own culture. You can live in the same city and not have the same experience. Everybody in Los Angeles is not living in Watts. Somebody's living in Beverly Hills. And your perception about Los Angeles has something to do with the environment in which you live. This woman used to be up. How can you be up one moment and go down? She lost her covering. She lost her covering. She said, my husband is dead. Don't read over that. Because in order for the enemy to attack you, he has to have access. And grief is a good entry point for depression. The enemy takes advantage of people when we go through sorrowful and sad situations. He will use it, it's normal to be sad, it's normal to be sad if you lose a loved one or, or you lose a job or you lose a house or you lose anything, it's normal to be sad. But don't let the enemy use that sadness as an access point to talk you out of normal grief into depression. There is a certain amount of grief that Christians are supposed to have. Paul said, we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. He didn't say we didn't sorrow, but we don't sorrow to the same degree because we are believers. There is a certain amount of sorrow that is inherent with the human experience. But when the enemy uses that as a touch point 
to send you an infection where you go into depression. Yes, this woman is into full-fledged depression. And I'm going to give you five points that show you how to download. And the first one deals with perspective. Somebody say perspective. Perspective determines promise. Say that with me. Perspective determines promise. When you listen at this woman's perspective, you can tell that she is just down. She says, my husband is dead, my money is gone, and my boy is about to be sold. Anytime you walk up to somebody and you say hi, and they start dumping out a list of stuff that's wrong, that's a spirit of depression. Because normally, when, when people say, how are you, you know, we normally say, fine, whether we are or not. But when, when grief has turned into depression, we're looking for a dump site to release the overwhelming frustration that has been brought on us by life. She doesn't say anything positive. She doesn't say, I'm down on my money, but I'm good on my health. She doesn't say, I don't have any money, but I got two good eyes and my legs are working real good and I got the activity of my limbs and I, I'm going to work my way out of this. She doesn't say anything like that. She doesn't say, my husband is dead, but my two boys are healthy and doing fine and I got a feeling everything is going to be all right. Because what has happened is an infection has gotten in her perspective. And when an infection gets into your perspective, you can't see anything positive. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Perspective determines promise. You must realize that throughout this whole story, Elijah doesn't give her anything that she didn't already have. But when you're down, you feel like you got nothing. And I don't know, it might be one person all the way in the last row at the very top section over there, but somebody that the enemy has been trying to convince that you don't have anything to work with, the Lord sent me all the way here to tell you the devil is lying to you. You do have something left. I don't think you heard me. I'm going to drive that till I get that home. I know you lost some things. I know you've been through some things. I know you had some setbacks. I know you cried yourself to sleep a few times. I know you set up and counted up everything you lost. But here's a news flash. God doesn't need anything that you lost to bless you. I'm going to preach to you because I don't think they hear me. Your miracle is not coming from your dead husband. Your miracle is not coming from any money you don't have. God will never use what you lost. He will always use what you got left. You got something right now that God is about to use to blow your mind. If I'm talking to you tonight, make some noise in this place. I rebuke every devil that told you you don't have anything. You've got nothing to live for. You're too old to be used. You're too young to be used. You're too short. You're too tall. You're too fat. You're too dark. You're too light. That devil is lying to you. He wouldn't be fighting you if God wasn't going to do something in your life. And the Lord brought me here to tell you clearly today that perspective determines promise if you can change the way you see it your whole life is about to be changed 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says to the woman, he says, she tells him all the stuff that's wrong. And he says to her two questions. He says, woman, what am I to do for thee? And the second thing he says is what is in your house? Oh, God. So he takes her from inspection, from perspective to inspection. Inspection begins inside. Most people never really achieve their divine purpose because they honestly believe that their purpose is predicated on somebody else's actions. I would get up, but Jimmy left me. I would get up, but my mama didn't raise me. I would get up, but somebody broke my heart. I would get up. Do you think that God is foolish enough to leave your destiny in the hands of somebody outside of your house? God is going to use something that's inside of you to bring you out of every circumstance and every situation. You have been looking out at what everybody else got. Oh, I wish I had an anointing like so-and-so. Oh, I wish I could sing like so-and-so. Oh, I wish I could preach like so-and-so. You don't need anybody else's gift to turn your life around. God's going to use something that's in your house. Oh, I'm going to need some help to preach tonight. I want you to touch about seven people and tell them it's in your house, it's in your house. It's in your house, 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 it's up under your domain, it's in your territory. You've been walking around it, you've been close to it, you've been stepping over it, you've been looking over it. God is gonna use something that you've been looking over to turn your life around. That's why I'm trying to change your perspective because you don't see what God is going to do with what you have. Slap your neighbor and say, I got something. I just got to find it. I got to get my eyes on it. I got to change how I look at it. I got something. I got everything I need to turn my life around. If I needed to be better looking, I'd have been better looking. If I needed to be taller, I'd have been taller. If I needed to be able to sing, I'd have been able to sing. I got all the equipment I need to turn my situation around. I don't know who I'm talking to, but something is about to happen in this place right now. Slap somebody and say, I got something. Inspection, inspection, start looking for it. This is not just a message. This is not just a sermon. This is a prophetic word. I'm going to say it again. This is not just a message. This is not just a sermon. This is a prophetic word. The Lord told me to tell you it's in your house. You're not waiting on it to come. You're not waiting on somebody to will it to you. You're not waiting on somebody to feel sorry and give it to you. You're not waiting on nobody to lay hands on you. You're not waiting on nobody to grease you down like you're a piece of chicken. What you need is in your house. My God, can you receive that word? It's in your house. The amazing thing about scripture is that most of the miracles that we see in the Bible were done by things that other people walked over. Who would have thought that the jawbone of an ass would become a sufficient weapon to beat down the Philistines? Who would have thought that Samson would have destroyed an army by throwing a gate? 
a gate he'd been walking past all the time. Who would have thought that the miracle that would feed 5,000 would be in two fish and five loaves of bread? Who would have thought that God would use a handful of meal to break the back of debt off of a woman who was in despair and discouragement? How is it that we walk around blessings that we don't perceive? And we want God to do something big and mighty like roll back the Red Sea. And what God wants to do is change how you see what's in your house. Because if you don't see it, you can't download it. You know, you know why I didn't download? I didn't download what I needed on my phone to fix my phone. I'll be honest with you, it's not that I'm stupid. And it really isn't that I'm old. It's not that I'm dumb and it's not that I'm blind. But it was downloaded in a place where I don't look. I didn't see it. Apple had sent it, but I didn't see it. Somebody in this room is praying for something that God already sent you. You're asking God a question that he's already answered. But because you have not inspected and found what he had in you, everything in your life is about to fall apart for the lack of something he already sent. But you do not see. The prophet could have made money appear, but he didn't. He could have caused a supernatural blessing to come in on the backs of camels, but he didn't. He asked her a question that provoked her to search. I want to ask you a question tonight that provokes you to search. I came to tell you that your answer is in you. The strength you need to face tomorrow is in you. The revelation that you need to radically transform your life is already in you. The power you need to revolutionize your situation is already there. And I came to provoke you to go on a hunt, an all-out search where you start looking at your life again because this woman's house couldn't have been that big. But when your perception is off, you don't see what you've got left as valuable because you are distracted by what you lost. She could list everything she lost quickly, but it took a prophet to make her count what she had left. Oh, I feel like preaching tonight. Let, let me, can I dig into this a little bit? 
let me tell you something. The hardest thing in the world for you to see is you. Uh, with my spectacles on, I can see all the way up to that back row. All the way. I see you up there. You just stood up. I saw you waving your hand. I can see you real good. I can see you all the way back. Hi. How you doing? That whole section up there. I see you, Mama. I see you. Bless you. Aunt Hagee's up there. I see you. I see you all the way up there. I see you. All of, I see you. I see you. I see that jib moving. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see all this beautiful production stuff they got blown in here. All these lights like Elvis is coming. I see that real good. I see the drum set real good. I see the keyboard real good. I see Marcus sitting at the keyboard. I see all of y'all on the front row. I see all the preachers just taking notes and going to steal my stuff and preach it next Sunday. I didn't say nothing about it, but I see it. I'm going to be cool with it. I'm going to watch you preach it on TV and act like I never heard it before, but I see you busy stealing it. And what makes it so amazing is that you will steal it and preach it and put it on Instagram and you know that I follow you, but I see you. But I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. I can see your giftings and your talents and I can see your smile and I can see your joy and I can see your face and I can see how wonderful you are. What I cannot see to save my life with all of these big old glasses, these big old glasses I got hanging off of this fat nose, I cannot see me. They don't make an eyeglass strong enough for me to see me. So sometimes you can see what everybody else has got going on. Come on, somebody. But you can't see you. So we search for people who will help us see ourselves. And we're not the first one to do that. God did that first. I heard him say, let us make man in our likeness and in our image, image reflection, so I can see myself. I heard Jesus say, who do men say that I am? <laughs> who do you say that I am? Because the hardest person to see is you. Do you think this woman was about to sell her kids if she'd have seen that she had something in her house? What are you about to give up because you cannot see you? What are you about to sell into captivity because you can't see you? What is in your house? And then she says, I have nothing in my house except a pot of oil. Listen to how she brings it up. Ain't got nothing but a pot of oil. She talks just like the woman who was getting ready to bake a cake and die. I just got a handful of meal. I just got two fish and five loaves of bread. See, whatever you got always looks small. It doesn't look significant. It doesn't look important. It doesn't look valuable. And we look for people. We search for people. We are even vulnerable to people who see something in us. See me? See me? That's, that's, that's what, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait on me a minute. Take a selfie. Take a selfie 
and put it on Instagram. See me? We'll check the stats and see how many likes we got. And if we get a lot of likes, we'll do that again. See me? And if we get a lot of criticism, we'll take it down. Because our opinion of ourselves is often a reflection of what others around us said about us. Can I dig down into this? This woman has been beat down so bad that the only thing she sees as big is what she lost. And what she sees as insignificant is what she has left. But God sent a revelator into her house. A prophet is a revelator. He's a revealer. He's not necessarily a giver, he's a revealer. A revealer shines a light on something that was already there. He is not a creator, he's a revealer. Y'all don't hear me. He was not a creator, he's a revealer. He didn't create the oil, he just revealed it. He didn't even add to the oil, he just revealed it. He didn't do anything but just reveal the significance of something that she saw as small. And the Lord told me to tell you that he's gonna use something that you see as small to bless you. Well, what is it, Brother Jakes? I don't know. Inspect. You want everybody to hand you something on a silver platter, but you got to get your search on. He that hungers and thirsts shall be filled. You got to go back and start looking at yourself and listing yourself and looking at what God has in you. You got to start talking to all your friends and start to understand what do you get when you get me. Let me tell you, I am a designer's original. I'm in a class all by myself. There has never been another T.D. Jakes and there will never be another T.D. Jakes after me. And when it's a job for T.D. Jakes, can't nobody do T.D. Jakes like T.D. Jakes doing T.D. Jakes. I am an original. My fingerprint is unique. My voice pattern is unique. Everything about me is unique. My eyes are unique. That's why I can put my eyeball in the phone and can't nobody unlock my phone but me because there will never, ever be another me. When God made me, he broke the mold. I'm bad. I am marvelously and fearfully made. I'm in a category all by myself. If you in love with me, you can't love nobody else because ain't nobody me but me. Oh, somebody ought to shout me down in this place. Slap somebody and say, I got this. When God called me, he meant me. He didn't want me to act like nobody. He didn't want me to imitate nobody. I don't have to forfeit my uniqueness and start walking around acting like you because I was created. Every curvature was designed to fit a lock. And when God gets ready to plug me in, something is about to open up. I'm telling you, God has made you a key. You're broken in all the right places. You're cracked in all the right spots. You need to re-examine yourself. I want you to take a minute and praise God for you. Touch me, people, and say there's something in my house. There's something in my house. There's something in my house. If you don't see it, you don't deserve it. There's something in my house. Stop hanging around people who don't see what you got. You need to be around people who reinforce that there's something in your house. All that left me couldn't stay, and all that stayed couldn't leave, because there's something in my house. 
going to say that again. All that left me couldn't stay and all that stayed couldn't leave because they know I got something in my house. You ought to leap for joy. You ought to run the house. You ought to shake your head. You ought to do your dance. You ought to holler for the Lord. You ought to shout about Can't nobody take your blessing. Can't nobody take your anointing. Can't nobody take your place. You ought to get cocky about it and start walking the floor. The demons know you. They're afraid of you. Make a joyful noise to God. You don't understand this. I'm headed somewhere. Y'all with me? You see... Before he told her to go get something from anybody else's house, she had to discover what was in her house. Because what was in her house was gonna flow. There are businesses in your house. There are companies in your house. There are books in your house. There are movies in your house. There's entrepreneurship in your house. There are ministries in your house. There are mission fields in your house. That's why the enemy's trying to rob you. Don't nobody try to rob somebody who doesn't have anything in the house. The enemy wouldn't come to kill, steal, and destroy if there wasn't something in your house. Why would he steal? Who burglarizes an empty house? You must have something or you wouldn't be under attack. I want every saint of God in here that's been under attack to start thanking God that you've got something worth stealing. Do you not know the devil is upset tonight because you have discovered his secret? Sometimes the enemy sees more in you than you see in yourself. That's why you ought to rejoice when you're in persecution because it's a sign that God put something in your heart. I wish I had a praising church. I wish I had a Holy Ghost church. I wish I had some saints that would break out in a supernatural... Warn all the nervous people in here tonight. Warn all the little quiet people that don't like no noise because it gives them a headache. And warn all the people that don't like you because you keep jumping up in this house and hollering. Warn all of them because they're nervous. They might need a nerve pill. But touch everybody you can reach and say, something's about to happen in this house. Something's about to happen. Something's, something's, something's about to happen. Something's, something's about to happen in this house. Something's about to turn around in this house. Something's about to shift in this house. There's about to be an awakening in this house. There's about to be a transformation in this house. If you're nervous, you better get out of here right now. If you don't like victory, you better hit one of them exit doors right now. Because I feel a glory wave about to hit this house. The oil is about to flow in this house. The anointing of God is about to flow in this house. The miracle working, water walking glory of God is about to flow. Lay your hands on somebody and prophesy you're about to come into a flow. You're getting ready to come into a flow of wealth. You're getting ready to come into a flow of health. 
You're getting ready to come into a flow of wisdom. You're getting ready to come into a flow of prosperity. You're about to come into a flow. That's why you've been up under attack because you're about to come into a flow. That's why you've been wrestling off them spirits of depression because you're about to come into a flow. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors. It's about to... person next to you because God is about to pour you out a blessing that you don't even have room enough to receive. Your cup is about to run over. It's about to overflow. It's going to spill over on your children and on your grandchildren and on your great-grandchildren. God said, I saw Timothy. I saw the faith of your mother and your grandmother. The same anointing is on you. There's about to be an overflow. Those of you that the devil's been fighting you for your child, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. There's about to be a flow in this place. I need some Holy Ghost praisers in this church right now. the 70s but God's getting ready to blow your mind God's getting ready to blow your mind because what he gave you has more potential than you realize I don't have nothing but a pot of earth I just sing a little bit I just got a little blog site it ain't much Ain't many people following me, but I'm just trying to be a witness for the Lord. Don't nobody like to hear me, but I'm teaching Bible class at work at noon. And the way you perceive it determines how you receive it. Shake your neighbor's hand like you're going to shake it off and say there's going to be a download tonight. You got to download an update. You got to tell every devil, like, you got to update some things. I'm not going to be the same person that you jumped on last night. I'm not going to be the person that you jumped on a week ago. I'm not going to be the same person that you've been terrorizing. I'm about to shake my depression off. 
I'm about to go into the phone booth and put on my Superman suit. I'm about to move into another dimension. You're not just going to another level. You're going into another dimension. I'm not talking about addition. I'm talking about multiplication. God is getting ready to multiply. Surely blessings I will bless thee and I will multiply thee. Somebody shout increase. Shout increase. Y'all not shout, shout increase. The very first time I said these words, I was in Tulsa at the Maybe Center. And I was, let me see, I was 30 something. Yeah, 30 something. It's 30 something. 30, just barely 30. Just barely 30. And the first time I said it, it was because I came into my house. And I came in my house and I've been praying. And it looked like everything in the house could talk. And the clothes were spinning around in the dryer. And she was washing clothes in the washing machine and the dishwasher was going and it sounded like to me all of them were saying, get ready, 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 get ready. The very first time I uttered those words was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Little did I know that God wasn't just talking to you, he was talking to me too. I came to give them words back to Tulsa tonight. Get ready, 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 get ready. God is about to blow your mind. God is about to blow your mind. Stop grieving, stop crying, stop worrying, and get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, tell them in the balcony, tell them in the overflow, tell them in the back, get ready, get ready, get ready. open your mouth and fill this place with worship right now we're getting in a position for a download you're getting ready to download and upgrade there's gonna be an upgrade in your preaching there's gonna be an upgrade in your teaching there's gonna be an upgrade in your singing there's gonna be an upgrade in your family there's gonna be an upgrade in your marriage you got to get ready to download this upgrade it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's going to be quick, it's going to be suddenly, it's going to be immediately, it's going to be straightway. You got to download this. It's been there all the time, but the time is right for God to release that thing in your life. right now I'm downloading my upgrade don't call me right now I'm downloading my upgrade don't bother me right now I'm downloading something that's getting ready to shift my life and shift my business and shift my ministry and shift my career and shift my gift don't bother me I'm downloading something I'm downloading I'm downloading I'm downloading I'm downloading I'm downloading I'm downloading 
downloading. I'm downloading. I'm downloading an upgrade. 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 I'm about to change my mind about how I see myself and how I see my situation and how I see my circumstance. There's getting ready to be a shift. Tonight is your night for a supernatural Holy Ghost shift in your circumstances. The enemies that you see today, you shall see them no more. You're downloading an upgrade. You're downloading an upgrade. God said he's going to fix some stuff that hadn't been working right in your life. And I dare you to praise him like it's already done. I dare you to let It just downloaded, didn't it? It just downloaded, I can tell. It just downloaded for somebody over there, it just downloaded. Something just broke in his belly, something just broke in his belly, something just broke in her spirit. There's a sister over there, something just broke in your spirit. God is downloading supernatural glory in your life. Receive from the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in here. There's somebody in this section right here. God is downloading a supernatural upgrade in your life and you ain't gonna never be the same. God is getting ready to turn your whole life might have had to power down for a minute but it's because of the upgrade you might have had a brief interruption of your services but it's only because of the upgrade your latter day shall be greater than your former day you're gonna come back stronger than you've ever been before because you're downloading an upgrade I don't know who I'm preaching to but I know I was supposed to come here to victory tonight and preach this word to this people. And I know the Lord brought the people in here that needed to be here and the people who aren't here aren't supposed to be here because everybody can't handle an upgrade. But God brought you here tonight because you knew in your belly and you knew in your spirit that God had something in this place for you. Holla at your boy right now. Make some... Give me 10 minutes and I'll be done with you. Where are my radical people at? Make some noise. Because the word that he gave her, first he, he told her to inspect what was in her house. And then she saw it, I got this pot of oil. And then he sent her out on a mission to outspect, go see how many vessels you can borrow. 
That's, that's a crazy word, Lord. Uh, Jesus, excuse me. This lady's already in debt over her head. You don't normally tell people who are in debt and about to lose their sons to go borrow. Most lending institutions would kind of frown on this theology. So why does God tell somebody who's in debt to go borrow? It's because what God is getting ready to do, you don't have room enough to receive it. Which brings me to my third point. Capacity determines flow. Capacity determines flow. Capacity determines flow. He formed the earth and filled it with vegetation. He formed the sea and filled it with fish. He formed the air and filled it with birds. Capacity determines flow. He had Noah form the ark and then filled it with animals. Whatever God forms, he filled. He formed man from the dust of the earth, <laughs> blew into him the breath of lives, and he became a living soul. Capacity determines flow. He formed the tabernacle and filled it with furniture. He formed the temple and filled it with glory. Whatever God forms, he fills. Capacity determines flow. When the manna fell, it fell according to the households. He who had little capacity received little manna. He who had more capacity received more manna. Capacity determines flow. Capacity is emptiness. Don't borrow full vessels. God said, I want you to increase your capacity. Because what I'm getting ready to send you is bigger than you think it is. Let me tell you how big it is. When you send your sons out to borrow, he said, borrow empty vessels. And then he says, borrow not a few. In other words, don't come back to me with no little vision. Can I preach this tonight? If you're going to have a vision, have a vision you can't pay for. Have a vision so big that when you tell it, people think you're stupid. Have a vision that contradicts your situation. Have a wild, radical vision. I mean, like if you're in a dry bed of a river that's gone dry, and I tell you it's going to rain, the riverbed isn't big enough to hold, so dig ditches in your valley. Because when I do send the release, capacity determines flow. I'm going to bring you into such a supernatural flow that you're going to say, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. It's good for me that I've been lonely. It's good for me that I've been empty. It's good for me that I've been walking around feeling hollow. Because when God starts filling me up, I got the capacity. The Bible said it this way, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. That means if you ain't hungry, Jesus ain't looking for you. 
Capacity determines flow. I want to talk to some people that's got some capacity. My God. Ravenous hunger. Craving. Longing. Capacity determines flow. Well, Lord, I only got this little pot of oil. It's not even a big pot of oil. It's a little pot of oil. I don't see why I'm going to need all of these empty vessels because I'm going to run out of this in a minute. It ain't even enough to fill up the first vessel because I told you it's a little pot of oil. In your hand, it's a little pot of oil. But when you turn it up, I don't know who this is for, but you're getting ready to step into the flow. It's going to be a crazy flow. It's not even going to make no sense. It's not going to look like so many blessings could come out of something that small, but God is going to pour you out an amazing supernatural blessing. Capacity determines flow. So here come our boys back with all of this capacity, and they brought back all of these vessels, and she started pouring. She shut herself up in the house. I want to get the whole thing. She shut herself up in the house because sometimes when God has given you a miracle, you don't need a witness. The worst thing in the world to happen to a leader is for God to finally talk you into walking by faith and somebody comes in your office and rains on your faith. So she says, I'm going to shut the door on this because this is private. Faith is private. That's why Abraham and his son went up onto Mount Moriah by themselves and told the servants to stay with the asses. He said, because where me and this boy is going, God is about to do something that's private. That's why when Jesus was dying on the cross, the sun refused to shine and the ground began to tremble because what God's getting ready to do for you is going to be so private that you don't need anybody doubting what God is about to release in your life. You don't want anybody coming out with their little measuring cup saying, I don't think you're supposed to do that and I don't think you can do that. What they don't understand, it was a little pot of oil, but something happens in the flow. That's why the enemy wants to stop your flow. That's why he sent the depression in the first place, to stop your flow. You know how to resist the devil? Do whatever you were doing before he attacked you. Because whatever you were doing was important enough that he's trying to stop the flow. So if you was praising him before the enemy attacked you, praise him now. Because all the enemy is after he's trying to stop the flow. Because the miracle is in the flow. Am I going too long? I'll stop if you want me to. Keep going. Tell somebody say it's in the flow. It, it's in the flow. It's in the flow. It's in the flow. It's in the movement. It's in the movement. Your God is a moving God. He's a moving God. He's a moving God. The Bible says the first thing we know about God is that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And from him moving in Genesis to even so come Lord Jesus, God is a moving God. And it always happens in the move. And it's only when you're moving that you begin to perceive the power and the glory and the essence of God. I can do things when I start operating in my gift that I couldn't do if I wasn't operating in my gift. That's why the enemy hates for me to operate in my gift. Because if I start operating 
operating in my gift, I can be sick. But if I start operating in my gift, the sickness got to leave my body. I can be stiff. But if I start operating in my gift, the stiffness has got to leave my body. I can be worried. But if I start operating in my gift, worry has to come out of me because there's something about the flow. God is getting ready to pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Joseph made his mistake because he told his dream to people who didn't have the capacity. Find you some people who have the capacity to believe on the level and think on the level and plan on the level that you're thinking on. The thing that has thwarted your dream and stopped you from being, being from coming to pass in your life is that you've been telling your dream to people with small capacity. Borrow not a few. Borrow not a few. Borrow not a few. Oh God, I feel the glory of the Lord. You, you need a strategy that's bigger than your situation. Lay out an organizational chart that you can't pay for. Start writing in planned positions that you don't have the budget for. You don't have to hire them yet, but create the capacity. Start drawing up the space for something that's beyond where you are right now. Oh my God, capacity determines the flow. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I feel a shift in this place. Can I let the oof shot? Can I let the Holy Ghost have his way? I want you to start planning for things that it doesn't even look like your little resource is going to be enough. But when you start flowing in it, God's going to start multiplying it. God's going to start increasing it. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. God said it won't happen until you start moving. But if you give, it shall be given unto you again. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Because increase always occurs in the flow. As long as you hold it, you'll never have increase. But the moment you get in the flow, there's going to be increase. Somebody holler, flow! The oil never stopped until they ran out of capacity. As long as they brought capacity, the oil continued to flow. Sometime when I come back, I'll teach on the intelligence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so intelligent that even when the prophet Samuel tried to anoint the wrong son of Jesse, he didn't know which one it was, but the Holy Ghost knew which one it was. And it wouldn't flow until it found the right head. All them other boys looked like kings, but they didn't have the capacity to be a leader. Have you ever hired, got ready to hire somebody who looked like they were a fit, but when you got them, they didn't have the capacity to function under that level? And sometimes somebody that didn't even look like they had the capacity, the oil fell on their head because as long as you got capacity, you got flow. I don't, oh, God's about to do, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like I'm prophesying to somebody. I feel like I'm prophesying to somebody. Capacity determines flow and I'm gonna move quickly the, the fourth thing he says when you have run out of capacity he says sell it now number four is find people who value what you have all of those people that you have to convince that what you have is valuable they're not the one once God has convinced you that what you have is valuable, expect a shift in your relationships. 
because the people you used to run with, you can't run with them no more. Because when you start to know your worth, all of a sudden you begin to recognize people who didn't recognize your true value. Am I talking to the right people right now? The Lord said, go sell what you have. You can't sell what you have because the selling is the exchange. I, I, I gave you this because it is valuable. And value is determined by sacrifice. Oh, I'm giving you some good stuff tonight. People who won't sacrifice to be with you don't deserve you. So find somebody who values what you have. When I got to this point, the Lord told me to tell you he's going to take what you have and exchange it for what you need. I, I, I don't know what that means to you, but thus saith the Lord. He's going to take what you have and exchange it for what you need. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, in my pocket, I got a few dollar bills in my pocket. And, and, and it's really just paper. But the paper, you can't eat it, you can't drive it, you can't live in it. It's just a medium of exchange for goods and services. So whenever I'm doing business and I'm telling you God's getting ready to do a transaction, he's going to take what you have and use it to get what you need. And in order to take what you have and get what you need, you're going to have to change who you hang around. Because the people you're hanging around don't perceive the value of what you have. And you cannot do business with people who don't understand your value. I'm at a stage in my life now, I don't even want to preach for anybody who doesn't understand my value. I don't want to go and be around people trying to convince them to love me or like me or spend time with me or talk to me. I don't want to spend any more of my energy. See, I'm too old to waste my time trying to talk you into something that I now recognize is valuable. You should have caught me when I was young and dumb. You could have got me for nothing. But now that I know who I am, you don't talk to me any kind of way. I'm about to shout off my own preaching tonight. You are looking for people who have an appreciation for what you have because God is going to exchange what you have for what? For what you need. So you have got to be around people who perceive what you have as valuable. My fifth point, I'm going to close. The prophet says, I didn't come all the way up here just to pay off your debt. I didn't reveal to you what you had just to get you out of trouble. Point five, the power of the residual. He said, what I'm going to release in you is going to have a residual. Not only are you going to pay off all the debt, He says you're going to live on the rest. 
one of the worst things you can be is unprofitable. I stopped my staff from setting a goal of meeting the budget because I think that's stupid. If I have $100 and I spend $100 doing something and we get $100 back and we shout because we met the budget, I think that's stupid because all I had to do was not do it. I could break even by myself. We met the budget. Hallelujah. That's stupid. We shouldn't have done it. Because all we did was come up to what we had before. And the Bible says Jesus cursed people for being unprofitable. Because Jesus knew the power of the residual. They brought him two fish and five loaves of bread. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to them. He set them down in groups of 50 and they all did eat. And they had 12 baskets full left. But they learned something because the two fish and five loaves of bread multiplied in the breaking because the increase is in the flow. So after they had fed everybody, what other people would have seen as junk, they gathered it up. Because they understood the value of what was left. I started out by telling you God is not going to use what you lost. He will always use what you have left. Stand to your feet. was stalling out, whatever windows you couldn't open, <laughs> whatever messages you couldn't receive, tonight in this download, you have received an upgrade to function on the next level. I stopped buying all them new Apple phones, 10, 12, 15, 16. I got sick of them numbers. I just get the upgrade. I'm going to take the same phone and do more with it. Imagine that you could be the same you and God could do more with you. There's another woman in the woman you are. You know it is. There's another man in the man you are. There's another husband in your husband. There's another wife in your wife. Don't die and let somebody else marry her and perceive her value and pull out of her what you overlooked because you just thought it was a pot of oil. There's another preacher in your preacher. Sometimes you don't find that preacher until you're under attack. I am telling you right now, if you will receive this upgrade, God is saying, I will do a new thing in you. That's how. Glory. Yes, Lord. I will do, oh, glory. Mm. Oh, glory. Mm. Mm. My God. God said, I'm going to do a new thing in you. Some of you have talked yourself out of living. Well, I guess I'm just getting older. Well, I guess I'm not supposed to. I guess, I guess it's too late. I guess shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Shut up. It's rude, but I said it. God's going to do a new thing in you, Sarah. You shall bring forth in your old age. Don't let nobody talk you out of your dream because you're too anything. Came to download and upgrade. Reach out and join hands with somebody and leave no one untouched. I learned that you can't download and upgrade if your phone isn't connected. It's got to be plugged up. I prophesy to you tonight that you're getting ready to make connections. It's Shataya. You're going to make connections like you never made before. You're going to have neighbors around you that feed into the flow of your dreams. And the reason I had you join hands tonight is that I prophesy that there will be partnerships. There will be connections. It took the whole neighborhood to receive this blessing. Oh, shut up. If you got a dream that you can fulfill by yourself, it's not worthy of you. Squeeze that, back, that person's hand. Tell them I'm going to need some help with this. I'm coming into such a flow. I'm going to need some friends. Whatever I did to hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I need you. Squeeze that hand. A flow is coming. A release is coming. You don't have time for old issues if you're going to have an upgrade. You don't have time for old bitternesses and old strife if you're going to have an upgrade. You don't have time to fight old battles because you're having an upgrade. The person you're touching right now is a miracle.